Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you again for this now seventh episode on <laughs> punishment. Um, yeah, we, we thought we'd do a couple of uh, weeks talking about discipline and punishment and raising children. And here we are at episode seven. Yes. And the it, it seems as though each week we go through and, and you know, want to or find find other areas that we really need to focus on because of uh, the things that we work on with with parents. And, you know, just just as a reminder, you know, we, we started out this this series because, you know, so much of the time we spend um, raising kids, we we're trying to correct behavior that we that we don't want, you know, um, kids behave in a particular way. We don't want them to continue to do that. And so we react in some way. And uh, we often refer to that as discipline or, um, you know, consequences or um, my goodness. Um, it oftentimes that reflects as punishment. Right. And so we wanted to have this conversation because it is something that we work with many, many parents and, and families with um, in our practice. Right. Um, you know, we, we took on this whole thing about um, raising children and discipline and punishment because, quite frankly, most of us don't do a very good job of it. Um, right. There's a, a lot of confusion. Um, we make we all make mistakes. Uh, none of us are very good at it. At it. Um, and our our whole issue is, man, it's tough enough just raising kids. Okay, mm -hmm. So right. um, that's a big job. When you talk about raising kids to be obedient, successful, respectful, competitive, mm -hmm. highly motivated, high performing, when you set out to accomplish all that, that's when the problems begin, right. you know, um, because when kids are not doing that, when the, we tend to react, and many of us overreact, when our kids aren't being obedient, successful, respectful, competitive, high performing, um, then we start to react to that. And those those reactions typically don't go very well. Right? Absolutely. And so we talked in the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the difference between punishment and discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we advocate, we want, we encourage parents to develop discipline systems mm -hmm. that have very little to do with punishment. Um, and in fact, there's a, there's a, a website that we put in the show notes has a nice article for those of you who are interested in that difference between discipline and punishment. Uh, there's a website you can go to that has a very, uh, a very e um, good explanation that differentiates punishment and discipline. Yeah, absolutely. We're typically concerned about two things, right? One is when kids don't do what they're expected to do mm -hmm. or when kids do what is prohibited. And that seems to be what most parents who come to us, most teachers who come to us, um, they're talking about what do I do when when kids when my kids don't do what I expect them to do, and what do I do when they do things that are prohibited? Right, because those are the times. Uh, like I said a moment ago, you know, one of the the biggest things that we work on with cup with families and parents is, you know, how do you handle when kids do things that we don't want them to do. Um, and, and that those are the two categories, right? They're either not doing something that they're supposed to do. Right. Um, they're supposed to be doing their homework and they're refusing. Um, right. They're supposed to, you know, pick the towel up off the bathroom floor, but they're not doing it. Right. Or they're doing something that they're, um, they've been prohibited from doing. 
Right. Um, you know, they are on their on their digital device when they're supposed to be going to bed, or they are, you know, um, using um, inappropriate words when they're when they're talking to their siblings. Um, so either they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, or they're um, doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. Right. Those are, right. Those are the two primary categories. Right. So whatever systems we set up in our homes and classrooms, whatever systems, they, they essentially address those two issues. Okay. Right. And we, if we're going to move toward away from punishment and toward discipline, we've talked over the past couple of weeks that there's, there are really two kinds of discipline. There's mindful discipline. Right. And there's reactive discipline. Right. Okay. Mindful discipline is what we use to establish schedules in our homes. You know, this is bedtime. This is when we get up. This is when we eat. This is when you take a shower. And we want to teach our kids responsibility while they're very young to accept responsibilities and help them achieve self-regulation so that so that they can do this themselves. We don't we don't want to have to always be there. And in fact, after age 15 or 16, we're not always going to be there. Right. So we want kids to be able to do this on their own. And that's when we use mindful discipline. And that's well, kind of what, what we're talking about here. Um, absolutely. And I think that the other part of mindful discipline is that it's, um, and, and you know, this is something that we oftentimes have such a difficult um, time implementing. And that is my, mindful discipline is, is proactive. Right. You know, it, it's thinking ahead of time how, um, you know, could this lead to a problem or is, you know, in this kind of situation, my kid typically has these kinds of problems. And so I'm going to be prepared for those situations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the examples that we, we very often use with this is, um, you know, parents become very upset and understandably so very upset when, when their child lies to them, mm -hmm. but yet they prime and prepare and, and sort of set the stage for their child to lie to them. Right. Um, they, they ask questions where they know the answer, but they also know that the kid is going to tell them, you know, a, a fib. They're not going to tell them the truth, but right. they'll ask that question anyways. And, and then they zap them for um, the lying. Right. And mindful discipline says, okay, that's not going to, that, that's not an effective way to manage this. An effective way to manage this is I know what the answer is. And so I'm going to go ahead and talk with the child because we both know the answer. Did right. you do your homework? You're setting it up for them to lie, especially if they're ready to go outside. Right. Instead, you say, go get your notebooks so that we can make sure that you get all of your homework done before you go outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they'll say, well, I've, I've already done, it's all done. I said, that's fine. But I want, so let's go over it. Yeah, no, you're not asking them. You know, you don't want to catch them being bad. Right, right. That's the point. So when we talk about there's a there's a wonderful article from Attitude Magazine. We we put it in the show notes. Um, Ten tips for parents to practice mindful mm -hmm. discipline. Okay, so if you're interested in that approach to parenting, um, it's a really really ten simple tips that you can follow that will start you in the direction of being uh, of mindful discipline. Uh, rather than reactive discipline. Right, right. And, and reactive discipline is the other side. It, it is um, it is just almost, almost just waiting for something to happen and then reacting um, 
oftentimes impulsively, um, oftentimes with loads of emotion. Um, and, and it's, um, you know, there's only really a couple of times when, when something like that is even appropriate. You know, we we talked last week about, you know, the the concerns about dangerous and destructive behaviors, right? Dangerous and destructive. Those types of behaviors require a reactive disciplinary approach because they tend to be unexpected, right? Those aren't things that we tend to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your 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 kid, um, you know, starts to behave in a way that's, that they're going to get hurt, or they're going to hurt someone else, or they're going to break or destroy some things. Okay, right. you need to react immediately there. But you don't want to engage in reactive discipline because they're not doing their homework. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's not. The way to think about this with destructive and dangerous behavior, it's never okay to be destructive. Right. Think of it that way. You're always going to react. It's never okay for kids to bite or hit or kick. It's just never okay. Self-defense, yes. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about kids who tend to do these things. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to react when a kid bites. Right. You're always going to react if they start breaking things. You're not always going to react if they don't brush their teeth or right. get to bed on time or don't do their homework. Right. There are times when you're going to let that stuff go and no harm is done. Okay? Right. So think of it that way. The, the, the two Ds, dangerous and destructive, you're always going to react. Everything else is negotiable and flexible. Okay? Right. So, so don't sweat that. That's the small stuff. Don't sweat mm-hmm. the small stuff. Right. And, and you know, and we can hear we can hear the parents um, talking about it now um, because they can they're very concerned about you know the R word the the issue of respect you know but if they're not doing what I'm telling them to do then they're not respecting me um, they're not respecting who I am or my role or you know not respecting the house they're not respecting the family it's that's that sort of rubs us the wrong way in because you're not talking about respect. You're talking about obedience, right? Right. So often when parents say that their child isn't respectful, what they're saying is, is that the child isn't obedient. Right. Um, And so we, we have to kind of shift our our thoughts about the issue of disrespect and um, Mm -hmm. Because that that's just going to that's just going to incite an emotional reaction from you, um, and then there you are doing reactive discipline at a time when it's not dangerous or destructive. Right, right, um, yeah. But, but you, I think we use an example in our book where the parent asks the child to clean her room, mm-hmm. and the child says with a sigh of disgust, says, "Oh, all right." And then the parent says, well, you're being disrespectful. You, you right. can't talk to me that way. Or the child will say, oh, blank. No. And then the parent jumps on the sigh of disgust. Right. Okay. Well, now you have a room that needs to be clean. Right. And so that's one fire that you have smoldering. And then the child does a sigh of disgust. And the parent says, you're being disrespectful. So now you've set a second fire. Okay. Right. And the parent does something and the child reacts and then say, you can't talk to me that way. Now you have a third fire. Okay. So you've gone from one simple thing, clean your room to now you have three fires burning. Okay? Right. 
So be very careful with this notion of respect, okay? Because you're mm-hmm. right. Is it respect or is it obedience? And you right. need to be very, very careful because we tend to jump to disrespect. You're being disrespectful. And it starts early. Right. Uh, I have parents of two and three-year-olds who say, mm-hmm. my child's becoming very defiant now at two and two. Not really defiance. It's a search for independence. Right. Okay? And so and, be very careful with this notion of respect and disrespect. Right. And, and, and on one hand, it's discipline. And on the other hand, or um, it's, it's obedience. And on the other hand, it, it's uh, voicing their true emotion. Right. I don't like cleaning my room either. <laughs> and so when I think, I got to go, got to go clean the kitchen or, oh man, I got to go clean the bathroom today. Right. It's not something that I'm like jumping for joy about. Not looking forward it, to it. It's not in any way realistic for, for you to expect that you're going to tell your child to go clean their room or whatever, clean whatever, and for them to be excited about it. <laughs> They're probably going to be, you know, because it's going to take them away from things that they want to do. Those are things that you can ignore. There is no reason to be overly reactive to, to that. You can say, I know I don't like do, having to do those things either, but sometimes we have to, sometimes we have to spend a little bit of time doing things that we don't necessarily want to do. What a great well, lesson that would be. Sometimes when kids do that, you can sort of chuckle and say, of course you don't want to do it. I, you know, we all understand that. It's not worth start setting another fire. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the child's upset. Of course. Would you rather play video games or clean the bathroom? Right. You know, so, so yeah, you're going to get a little pushback. Not worth worrying about. Exactly. Another another one is, um, you know, parents will say uh, things like uh, because I'm the parent because because this is my house, you know, Um, you know, they'll they'll use those sort of authoritarian um, phrases Mm -hmm. that indicates that I'm the dictator that says what is and what is not to be done. And if you have a problem with it, you just need to deal with that because I'm the boss. Yeah, I like when parents know that's. The child will say, well, that's my bedroom and I should be. And the parents say, no, that's not your bedroom. This is my, you know, I pay for this house. Well, once you take ownership of that bedroom, if you say to your child, that's you're just renting that you're just staying there right now. Well, the child has no ownership and right. feels no responsibility. Okay? Right. You want the child to feel responsibility for that room. But if you take ownership and you tell the child that that this house is mine, you're just using that room the child has no investment. There's no, right. it's not mine. So I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. It's not mine. Right. And so, so instead, you know, again, that the, the idea of mindful discipline is, is working ahead of time and, and talking about agreements. You know, this is, we want to have a clean house, right? We don't want to have our, we don't want to have our house, our house. And so this is what we want for our house. Mm-hmm. If we want people to come over, if we want to have, be able to have guests, if we want to be able to do some of the things we want to do, then these are the, we have to take care of our space in this way. And so instead of saying, because I said so, you can say, well, no, that's what we agreed to. We, we agreed that on Thursday evenings or on Saturday mornings that we would spend time cleaning our rooms and cleaning up. Yeah, you don't, you don't send the child off. You make the child part of the process. Right. So, so oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Nope, you first. Yeah, so, the, so let's think about, there, there's sort of three categories of offenses that we have to think about and, and think about how parents will respond or, or maybe some advice on how parents should respond to these different, some different 
um, offenses. The first one is, okay, it's the first time that the child does commit some offense, right? Right. So it's something that they've never done before, but they break a rule um, or they, you know, they, they do as you've asked them not to do. And so now you have to respond to this first offense. Mm-hmm. One approach that parents tend to take is, oh, I have to stop this immediately. And they, right. and they bring the hammer down hard. Get out the heavy artillery. <laughs> and they're like, I have to stop this in its tracks because this can never happen. Again, we're not necessarily talking about dangerous and destructive things. We're talking about, you know, they're, they're three minutes late in curfew. Right. And that you they bring the hammer down so hard. It doesn't matter how many times they met curfew before. Right. They missed curfew by a few minutes this time and they're going to bring the hammer down. And man, oh, man, is that unnecessary and unhelpful? Right. It's not really going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. That's right. Um, Or not, you know, lying about an assignment. Right. I did my homework and they lied about it. So lying. Um, breaking curfew. As kids get older, they become teenagers and they're going to probably experiment with drugs and alcohol. What do you do when you find out your child is experimenting with nicotine or cannabis or alcohol? Because most kids will at least experiment. They'll taste it. They'll see if they want to do it. So at different ages, you have first defenses. Okay. But, but throughout their lifespan from age two or three, um, to age 18 or 20 or 22, there are going to be first offenses. You know, and a, a five-year-old isn't going to have, going to be vaping, but right. a 15-year-old will be vaping. Okay. So it will change over time, but there are these first offenses and you have to be careful that you don't overreact right. to the first offense, because what you want to teach is you want to give them grace. Mm-hmm. You, know, you understand they've made this mistake. You get it. And then you have to teach them what you want until they understand it, until they finally get it. Right. Okay? If it's lying, if it's cheating, if it's you know being disrespectful, if it's using foul language, whatever it is, it's okay to give grace with the first events. Right. Now you know what you have to deal with, and then you teach what you want and encourage this over time. There is no quick fix. Right. The, the second... Um, uh, type of offense is, of course, the repeated offense. Okay, so now you're, you're past that that first offense. And now this is something that's happening. Um, it's now happened a handful of times. Right. And um, again, the, the mistake that many parents make at this point is, okay, they're doing it intentionally. That's right. They're just trying to upset me, or they're just trying to get away with it, or they're just trying to get me to change my mind. And, um, and so again, you know, this, the parents, again, bring the hammer down pretty hard and, and attempt to um, take drastic measures in these right. kinds of situations um, because they're saying they're, they're believing, they're believing the child is engaging in willful disobedience. Right. And, and while that can be happening, that, 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 that is a distinct okay. possibility. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's not most of the time right. it's not that they're being willful. Um, we, we try to differentiate between can't do versus won't do. Right. Won't do, that's willful disobedience. That means that they're intentionally working to working against you and trying to, to break your rules. Mm-hmm. Um, very often, 
It's a can't do. There, there's some skill or some need that they have that's not being met mm-hmm. where they can't accomplish or can't do what you're asking them to do. Right. Yeah. So when, when you get to repeat offenses, the child doing it over and over again, even though you've talked about it, even though you've agreed, the child do it like taking food to your room. Okay. That's a, a common offense. Um, and you've talked about it, you've dealt with it, and, and it keeps happening. First of all, remember that behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. So when your child is doing something repeatedly, um, they're trying to communicate something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is yet, okay? But don't begin by assuming that they're just being defiant. Right. Because it may not be defiant. Right. Okay? Um, how often parents say, you know, I've told you this a thousand times and you keep it. Yeah, that, well, that's par- welcome to parenting. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not the issue is the child is trying to communicate something to you and you have to figure out what's, what's being communicated here. Why mm-hmm. this behavior? What is my child t- trying to tell me here? Is my child trying to say, I'm going to do this. This is a power struggle. This mm-hmm. is a control issue. What are we dealing with here? Cause right. kids don't, want to be in trouble right they will risk trouble to communicate something else and our job as a parent is to figure out what they're trying to communicate right you know another another common repeated offense is like um and i mentioned a moment ago leaving the towel on the bathroom floor and you know it's it's a very frustrating things for a lot of parents because here we have a damp towel laying on the bathroom floor and you know who knows how long it will stay there um, and we, oh, he's just not paying attention. He's just not doing this. He's doing it. You know, he just doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care that that's what I'm asking him to do. Right. Well, sometimes if you just look at the child's be, you know, what are their, what's their pattern of behavior, you're going to start getting a clue. You know, it just so happens perhaps that, um, every time the child had left the, the towel on the bathroom floor, those were times that he forgot to bring clothes into the bathroom with him to change into after he gets out of the bat out of the shower. So what's happening is he's dropping the towel and running to his room to get clothes. And then by the time he's in his room and gets dressed, he forgets that the towel is on the floor. Right. Okay. So you change the pattern a little bit, you change the routine. And so when you remind him to get in the shower, you say, Hey, and don't forget to bring clothes with you. Mm-hmm. So now you have an extra cue very easy to do. doesn't take much work from anyone. And now the child is going to be more likely to remember to bring clothes in there um, so that he can get dressed and then he'll hang up the towel. But, but when we just look at it as willful disobedience, we miss these opportunities to, you know, prevent the problem from happening. And and we, we tend to almost vilify the child by saying he's being intentionally bad. Right. Right. And and just think about what that means that you're saying about your kid that, that he's being intentionally bad just to upset you. Right. We had a we had an example like that in in my own house. Um, one of my kids would take off a t-shirt and invariably leave it on the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. And it happened day after day after day after day after day, and. At first, it felt like this is just disobedience. You know, I've told you this a hundred times. You're just being defined. You're just being disobedient. When I stopped for a moment, I thought, he just doesn't have the skill. That's a skill deficit. He, I mean, I can also look at it as 
he just doesn't know how to do this yet. So I'm going to have to teach him some other way to manage it. Maybe another prompt. It may be a sign in the bathroom. Obviously, he's not getting it. Okay. Right. So I have to reteach until he develops that skill. Right. He wasn't really being defiant. He was being thoughtless. He was being mindless. Mm-hmm. So I could punish him for that. Or I could teach him, figure out a way to teach him how to get the shirt off his body and into the hamper rather right. than on the floor. Right. So it, I, could, I could also look at it as a skill deficit. I right. don't have to attribute bad motives right. to my child. You know, just, it's just something he doesn't know how to do. So I have to reteach it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, the third type. Um, so we've talked about the first response, first offenses, um, <laughs> responding to first offenses, responding to uh, repeated offenses. And the third category is, is chronic offenses. Mm-hmm. And, and these are offenses that happen at every developmental stage, but they just happen again and again and again and again and again. And it's just a chronic problem. Um, you know, in, in preschool, it could be not putting things away. Um, and, you know, as kids get older, they're not brushing their teeth or they're, we get back to lying and those kinds of things. And, and we, what we tend to recognize this as, or see this as is it's just a power struggle, um, looking for control, some control over their life. Right. Um, and so we have to respond to these kinds of offenses in very different ways. Mm-hmm. That's right. You when you get a chronic offense, it, it's just happening. A, a repeat offense is it happens a few times, and then you figure out a way to to teach your child how to do it differently. A chronic offense is it it's occurring over and over and over, despite everything you've done. It mm-hmm. keeps occurring. You're probably not going to be able to punish your way out of this. Right. There, there's some when you get these chronic offenses, and you and and and. Parents will say, I've tried everything. I've done everything. I've tried everything. I've done that. You're, what you're saying is, I've tried every punishment technique that I know of, and nothing's working. Right. So the message here with chronic offenses is you're probably not going to punish your way out of this. It's probably going to require some type of collaboration. You're going to have to sign a truce, and you're going to have to work with your child to say, okay, look, we got to reach a new agreement here. We have to renegotiate this whole thing. And because this is simply unacceptable, the child agrees that it's unacceptable. No, it's not okay to drink and drive. Okay, we all agree to that. Okay, then what is the agreement that we'll make? You're not gonna punish your way out. You're gonna have to use some kind of collaborative approach with your child. And the older they are, the more likely it is that you're gonna have to use a collaborative approach. You can't just punish a 16 year old into submission. They're not gonna give in. They they will not give in. You're going to have to come up with a new way of, of uh, a collaborative approach to solving the problem. Right. Yeah. We, we so, so often we hear parents come in and say those exact things, you know, I've tried everything. I've taken everything away from them. Um, you know, I've, and nothing works, nothing will change no matter what it, he just doesn't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ross Green says you don't need more consequences. You need a new plan. Right. And I mean, it's, it, so often it's because the parent is dictating things to the kid and not listening to the kid and not, um, you know, not trying to figure out how to negotiate. Um, you know, when you think about as they're in, in um, you know, adolescence and they're driving and you think about issues with curfew, um, 
and he's they're late every single time. And so what do parents do? Well, I'm not going to let him go out anymore. Right. Um, well, okay. So now we're teaching now, now we're not affording him the opportunity to, you know, gain some independence. And so he'll start sneaking out or he'll start doing other things that, um, that we don't want him to do when, you know, if you just sit and talk to them, you might find out that, um, well, the reason that he's 15 minutes late every time is because of, you know, this problem or because, you know, in, you know, is nine 15 really that different than nine o'clock um, for, for a curfew or something. So it's, it's a matter of talking with and, and communicating with the, with the child in a way that, um, that where you can negotiate and you can come to some compromise. Of course, there's some areas where compromise isn't, isn't going to happen. You're not right. going to compromise. As you said, you're not going to compromise about drinking and driving. Right. Um, but w- what time they get home, um, uh, you know, issues related to, you know, eating in their bedroom or, or, you know, what they're doing with their schoolwork. There, there's some discussion, there's some negotiation room there. Um, right. And why not use that when clearly the punishments aren't working? Right. You know, my kid, uh, one of the most common problems we deal with is kids not getting out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect way to solve the problem using a collaborative approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, parents often want to know, what do we do? Um, what do we do if so-and-so happens or if, yeah. you know, what is the, what is an appropriate consequence if my child does this? Mm-hmm. And, and we, so we have to look at, you know, what type of offense is it? Is it, is this the first time they're offending? Is this a, you know, a repeated offense or is this a chronic offense? Uh, because our responses to those have to be different. And once again, as we said early on in this podcast, you have to weigh that by determining how um, how serious, if it's dangerous and destructive, you have to respond to it. Right. Other things, there, there may be room for working with your child to figure out what's going to be a better, um, a better way to manage those issues. Um, it, it requires some some work, some work with the kid. That's right. Because what most parents and teachers will say is, what should I do if I discover that my child acts blank? Or what is an appropriate consequence if my child does X? Okay. Well, the first question we're going to ask is, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, if it's getting your child out of bed in the morning, getting your child to take a shower, getting your child to do chores, um, what are you trying to accomplish? And then the second question would be, what do you want your child to learn? Right. Not, I'm not going to give you a punishment for them not doing it. I'm going to ask you, what do you want your child to learn? And then let's set up a system to teach your child how to do that. Right. Right. And so, so when, when these are good questions, they're legitimate questions, but I think we need to move from looking for a consequence, looking for a punishment, mm-hmm. but instead looking for a way to solve the problem, right, and, and that begins with what do you want this? Ch- what do you want this child to learn? Right, and, and and that's that's oftentimes where most of us go wrong, right? We, yeah. we rely on being reactive, and and um, we don't plan ahead. We don't try to be purposeful in, in our um, in our discipline, mm-hmm. and, and we're just re- reactive, um, and, and we don't. Oftentimes, we don't do anything to foster desirable behavior. We that, just respond to the inappropriate behavior. And we don't do anything to foster the presence of, of appropriate behavior. 
Yeah, we have antenna up all the time, but it's always for the it's always for what's wrong. It's always for the negative stuff. Okay, we're, we're very good at spotting the negative stuff, and we sort of ignore the positive stuff when our emphasis should be on developing desirable behaviors. Absolutely, and and we get so hung up on, you know, that authoritarian view of you know I'm I'm the boss. Um, you will respect me. Um, <laughs> again, respect meaning obedience. Um, right. And we get so focused on those issues that we that we miss opportunities to collaborate or to work with our kid um, in a productive way. Right. I would be willing to bet that every time a parent says you can't talk to me that way or you're being disrespectful, it's always in the heat of an argument. Right. It's, it, right. And that's the problem. That's that when you should not, you can't negotiate in anger. You can right. only you can only negotiate when things are calm. Absolutely. And I'll bet that every time this respect issue comes up, it's in the heat of battle. Uh, absolutely. So now we, yes, this was episode seven uh, of our yes. punishment series. And th there is a episode eight. We are next time we're going to focus on, uh, we're still focusing on consequences. Um, that's something we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, but um, what type of consequence? Uh, of, of course, there are, several types of consequences there, there are um, that, that parents will, will lean towards. But we're going to talk about three different types of consequences next week. Um, and, and it's important that parents think about these because um, there, are, there are consequences that are okay. There are consequences that are appropriate. And then, of course, there are consequences that are problematic. And so we're going to talk about three different types of consequences next week to help parents as they work through um, you know, how to respond to different situations. Right. Yeah. You have to have consequences, but you got to be careful because there, right. there, there's a, it's a two edged sword for sure. Absolutely. So, all right, well, that's it until next time until then stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.